Jazz. And the fade out, ladies and gentlemen. Yet another wonderful episode of Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. My name is Matt Rory. As always, I'm joined by the talented Calvin Chamberlain. Hello, Calvin. Hey, have you seen me dance? I've never seen you dance, but I guess that's what I was talking about, obviously. You have heard me speak there. That's right, so you must be a good dancer. As always, ladies and gentlemen, CLNS Radio podcasts, and this one are brought to you by lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com. Head over to lynda.com slash CLNS to get your free 10-day trial and check out all sorts of great learning tools they have there on that wonderful website. And Peak Brewing, a wonderful beer company, organic, lovely, nationwide, at Peak Brewing on Twitter. Hit them up. Calvin, it is week two. That's my deflating football noise of deflate gate ball gazi, whatever the hell you want to call it. And I'm pretty much sick and tired of talking about it. So we're going to do a quick segment here, and then we're going to be done with it for, I hope, at least a couple weeks. Can you give me that, maybe? Uh, it depends on what happens. I can't, I can't promise you anything, Ray, because, you know, if something important breaks, we have to cover it here. We're, well, define important. Well, define important. Like, if they reduce the appeal, is that important? Or they reduce the suspension, I should say, upon Tom Brady's appeal? Um, not necessarily. If, if, if it goes from four to three, no. But if, what, if, uh, what if they don't reduce it? Is that important? Should we cover, can we cover that? Uh, I would not be surprised, so let's cover it right now. If they don't reduce it, fair enough. Robert Kraft uh, just today came out, and this rolls into the segment. Let's just get it yeah. get out on the, on the tracks right now. Kraft came out today, and basically uh, he reluctantly accepts the penalty on the Patriots' behalf. And to that I say, good, great, that's, that's excellent. You know what? Of all the people in the NFL right now, Robert Kraft not being a hypocrite. He said before the penalty was, was laid down, when the Wells report came out, that he what was he did not believe what was that it was true and he didn't think that the Wells report was accurate but he would take any penalty that the NFL laid out so he's doing that so to that i say if it, it, i mean if tom brady's appeal doesn't get reduced bob craft without explicitly saying is at least saying he's not going to fight anymore and some people, Calvin, I don't view it this way, but some people are going to view that as an admission of guilt. Oh, yeah. Patriots fans are already mad at Bob Kraft, by the way, because they've all painted themselves into this corner. Apparently not you, which I, I respect. But they've all they've backed themselves into this corner now with their, their constant denials. You know, like, there, there was no reason for the, for the Patriots to release their counter-report right after the original Ted Wells report, like, Nobody asks the Patriots to conduct their own investigation. Nobody gets to investigate themselves in life. Where, where, you, know, you know what I mean? Where they, they talk about, you know, uh, all the science of deflating footballs uh, and how, you know, the weather could have possibly affected the situation and how uh, the guy calling himself the deflator is, was in reference to a weight loss situation. It, all they're doing is opening themselves up for ridicule. Nobody is taking their report seriously. And right. It, it seemed to me that Kraft was doing it with it, – it, it was weird because he took this weird hard line like, hey, we're not, we're not going to stand for this. We're going to sue the NFL. But it's such a – it's like, like we've been talking about, Ray. I understand why you're frustrated with this because this whole thing, what it, when it comes down to it, it's, it's an extremely minor issue, right? Even if, Brady yes. gets, even if Brady gets four games, is that the end of the world? Like – Okay, the, no. okay, the Patriots... Got For Brady, it's probably not great. He loses $2 million in right. salary in, in that situation. No, but as a fan of the team, like, do you think... No. Even, even Brady missing four games, do you think the Patriots like, aren't going to win the division? Or, like, no, they'd probably, they'd probably go 2-2 two and two at the worst in those four games, and right. uh, they would still be set up perfectly to win the division. Right. And, 
in like, are you uh, how concerned are you about the about the biggest fine in NFL history? You, do you think that Robert Kraft is affected even at all by that? By the fact that they have listen, to, I, yeah, I think I think that, fine? You think you think that bothers him? I think that Kraft is uh, definitely upset about the extent. Are you moving around or something? Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. I was just I, there was something on my screen that I just cleaned up, but I, Man, I didn't realize it was making a noise. But oh yeah, it's like you're like you're like uh, wiping around or something. I didn't know what was happening there for a second. I'm sure the, the people are going to be uh, truly intrigued by that until now. Um, so if you stayed with us through Calvin wiping down his screen, you're going for a while. Oh, feels that bad, huh? I mean, I don't know how bad it's going to be coming out the other end there. Okay. But uh, in my in my ears, it was like, anyway. Um, before I, I get into the fine, let me just say that I think that Kraft is. Are you doing it again? What? No, get up. Did you do it again? <laughs> yeah. You're good now. <laughs> I'm not doing it anymore. I'm stopped. Oh my goodness! Okay. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Kraft. Kraft. Um, Maybe Liz will edit uh, this. Maybe, maybe she will. Kraft did this and took this stance not as I'm going to sue the NFL because he had already said he was going to just accept the penalty. I think he came out with the context report, and, uh, the Wells context report, and the um, uh, just his statement in general say, to, to sort of back his quarterback because I think he has a, has a feeling that Brady's suspension will not be reduced. And if that happens, I would expect Brady to go – actually take it to court if he believes that there's no evidence even on his own phone that he would probably have to produce uh he would probably have to produce phone records if he actually took it to court if he's willing to go that far i would have to believe that he has there's there's no evidence evidence against him because i don't think he's stupid enough to go to court and then be proven wrong just to sort of try and save his image at this point in, in his career i think i i I think he's a smart businessman, and the only reason that he's actually going that he would actually fight this thing is if he knows that there's no, there's literally nothing out there on him that points to him that makes him look like the the guy that uh, started and sort of organized this entire deflating of the footballs thing. So that's what I think Kraft is doing here. I think he's backing his quarterback in the event that it goes to court later and the the suspension doesn't get reduced. As far as the Patriots uh, just taking the penalty, the draft picks and the fine, I think Kraft thought that that was a little too much, and I agree, and I think that he is a little upset by that. I'm, the, only th- the only thing that interests me, Calvin, in this entire story is what is going to happen with the, ba- the balance of power, if you will, in the league. There's all this talk that I've heard about uh, how Kraft used to be Goodell's man, you know, he was the, he was the he basically the uh, lieutenant commissioner, or the, yeah, the lieutenant commissioner, if you will, and he basically would just be the right hand guy, and he was the guy that really put Goodell up in the spotlight and said, "This is our man." And now I'm interested to see what's going to happen between Kraft and the rest of the league. Does Goodell keep his job? Is anything going to change here? And maybe we won't even find out. That's the only thing that interests me in, in this entire thing, and I don't even really care that much, you know. Well, that's just the problem with me. For for me, it's like, Kraft in the beginning is, is fighting really hard. First of all, Brady's appeal is separate from the Patriots' appeal. So if if right. he, you know, he he went on with Peter King and he said like, uh, you know, I'm thinking about filing a lawsuit against the NFL. Like, it's like. It's like they're they're trying to succeed from the union. You know what I mean? Why why you know why are they trying so hard and fighting over the spine that ultimately has no impact? Okay, the first round traffic, I can I can see, you know, that being somewhat of an issue, but that didn't even seem like his primary concern. It seemed to be the right. fine. And I understand it's it's the principle connected, but it it just didn't make any sense to me. Like I understand saying, hey, we don't agree with this, but but making the idle threats. And then now he's, he decides he's not going to do it. But well, that's fine. But the problem with that is, is he's already been, you know, photographed, uh, or not photographed, but uh, described as like as spending hours on a couch, you know, talking and hugging with Roger Goodell at, at some CBS executive's uh, birthday party. So it, it, what does it look like now? You know, that, that's what it is to me. It's like 
Now it all looks like hand in glove. Now, if the NFL does come out and reduce Tom Brady's penalty, which they, I, I think they would have anyway, and I think you know, they probably should have, and my theory is that, that Brady was going to get two games all along, and that's why they gave him four games. But now, you know, if and when they do that, it's like, what are the, what's the outcry going to be from conspiracy people? Like, I don't understand why. Oh, it'll be there. Yeah. It, it'll be there. But you know what? You can't point a conspiracy really at the Patriots, I don't think, because they took their penalty. And the, while you may, the, there may be some rumblings for the first few months or even this first season after this happens, I think that history is going to say the Patriots took their penalty Tom Brady's suspension was reduced, so the Patriots look like the the bad guy here. At if anybody is, and Brady gets off a little bit easier as far as the history books are concerned. And for some reason, I think that that's that's what Brady's looking for here, and I think that that's what the Patriots are willing to to do for him because really, as a franchise, they don't. I don't think they they care about this. I don't think they're worried that there's another scandal on on their books of this magnitude because the magnitude is so small it, compared to th- things that they've gone through in the past few years Calvin this is nothing and I don't think they care about this one so they're just saying forget it we'll take it whatever it is that's fine at least we're not going through another Aaron Hernandez situation right I don't, I don't think it, it's you know concern for how they'll be looked at in the future so much as it's like if when the to me it, it's I, I think that, like, in the public's eye, it's going to reflect badly on Goodell. And, again, because he, he's riled up all these Patriots fans who are, like, so adamant about, you know, the, like, fighting this to the very core, when, you know, when Robert Kraft steps back off that platform, now, now Patriots fans have nowhere to go except for to turn on Kraft and feel like Kraft has betrayed them. Which is like that's mostly that's the reaction that I've seen from Patriots fans to the yeah, story. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. like, Patri- like, what did you think this was going to go, Patriots fans? Like, you were going to fight. For, and that's even discounting the fact that, like, that this report. If, if you want to talk about what the justifiable suspension for, for this is, you could, you, oh, you know, the situation. You can easily make the argument that hey, maybe the suspension should only be one game for Tom Brady, but that one game should have been the Super Bowl. But instead, the, the NFL wisely drug, you know, dragged out that process. There was still mm-hmm. no real reason for why that had to take so long. And, and now, you know, that, that one game, uh, if, if that one game, the Super Bowl becomes four games at the start of the regular season, congratulations. Like, you're getting off pretty easily. When it all, when it all comes down to it, you've traded sure. those four games for a Super Bowl. And I don't know, I don't understand why Patriots fans are so upset. Me? Can you explain it to me? Like you, you. Oh, I just think it's. I, I, I just think it's. It's uh, the, the the fact that it's unprecedented that something this seemingly minute. Like I think the Patriots fans in particular are. They're not separating the fact that this is a is a integrity of the game issue, and things like Ray Rice and Greg Hardy and. Other situations like this are, are being penalized for lesser extents or to a lesser extent than the Patriots deflating some footballs. And they need to separate those, those two things because one is a personal conduct off the field issue, which the NFL needs to work on their, pol- their policy for that, frankly. So that's, that's a totally different uh, can of worms. We're not going to open that one right now. But – this is a tampering with the game, integrity of the game issue. Now, then the Patriots fans will go and they'll say, wait a minute, but wait a minute. The Falcons did this, and Aaron Rodgers says this about doing tampering with the footballs. Why doesn't he get penalized? And uh, the, uh, other, other teams are texting, and they're only getting these, uh, these penalties, these small penalties. And the Chargers are, had, these, had this pine tar or whatever it was to stick them on their towels, and they're getting penalized, penalized these small things. Guess what, everybody? All of those accusations were true, and all of those teams admitted to it up front. Yep, you accused us of it. We did it. Busted. You caught us. The Patriots, on the other hand, said, no, there's no way we did this. It's impossible. Not a chance. They tried to explain it away, and it didn't go away. So that is the thing that I think the the league is sort of looking at when they – when they say that 
we're going to suspend Tom Brady for four games, along with the integrity of the game situation. And Patriots fans are having a hard time coming to grips with that. They think it's a big sting operation because people around the country hate the Patriots, and that goes along with hating Patriots fans for whatever reason. Uh, that's just the way it is. If you hate a team, you, you likely hate their fans, regardless of the type of people that they are. Right. And it's just I think I think that Patriots fans are very sensitive, and they have a hard time separating things like that. Yeah, I, I, I think it just comes down to the the us versus them attitude of, of the Boston sports fan because, like, logically, if, if, if you look at it, given Kraft's relationship with the NFL and with Goodell in particular, who apparently he had a he had a big hand in, in choosing as commissioner, but they're close friends. I, I'm not saying anything. Any, there's nothing wrong or un, you know uncouth about any of that, except for the fact that it doesn't support any sort of notion about a conspiracy or or any sort of, you know, the Patriots are being targeted in particular as a franchise. The facts just don't, they don't support that notion. But if, Kelvin, if there's an us-against-them us mentality, when does it stop? They're not stopping. They're, it's, it's us against anybody that's not us, basically. Me against everybody else. It doesn't matter if you're the owner of the team or not. They're going to turn on you if you if you turn on them, basically. Because you're right, you said it earlier, Patriots fans have backed themselves into a corner, and that's what you get for always believing what the team says. Listen, I'm not saying that Tom Brady had anything to do with this, because I don't think the evidence is there that he did. I think that the deflator discussion is pretty much nonsense, and I don't, I don't know which way it was going, but there were older texts where they used the word, and it didn't necessarily seem like they were talking about football. So, it, the, that might be, might be their weak way to try and deflect what, what, what really happened here, you know. And but so what I'm saying is that can you at least can you at least agree that Tom Brady clearly lied to investigators when he said he didn't know who the guy was or what was or he had no idea what was going on? Like, so if, if I, I say, actually he, need to be I need to be. Uh, educated a little more on exactly how that conversation went because as far as I've I've heard it was do you know Jim McNally and if that was the question and he said no I don't then maybe he doesn't know the guy's name if they then said he's the guy who handles the footballs he brings them from the uh, uh, equipment room through the other other way and he brings them over to the sideline do you know that guy and Tom Brady said, no, I don't, then yes, he's lying. But if they just asked him his name, and they, and he said, no, I don't know who that is, and they left it at that, then, I mean, there's a lot of people in that building, Calvin. That's the thing that's sticking with me. So I want to see exactly how that dialogue went before I really make a judgment on that. Okay, okay. I mean, Seriously. I mean, ser ser that's, that's in all seriousness. Like, if, the, if Brady sees a bunch of these no-name no guys running around handling footballs or whatever, I mean, the text would imply that these two have had a, a relationship with Brady before. But then there's also the, the proof in the Wells report that the, the one guy, Yastrzemski, had never spoken to Brady face-to-face -face until this situation started happening and he was brought into the QB room to have a discussion with Brady about what was going on. And people are trying to implicate Brady for that, too, saying, oh, we've got to get this guy in and uh, let's come up with a story, and then we'll tell everybody it. No, that's a conspiracy theory in its own right. If I was Tom Brady, multi-million dollar quarterback for the Patriots, and this equipment manager was getting dragged through the mud on all these these accusations about deflating footballs, I'd bring him into the QB room too. So you see what I'm saying here? There's still, I just want to see the right, but dialogue between what was going on there. So I, he, I would expect Brady to know that guy's name. But if, there's, if Jim McNally really is this dude that was just running around and nobody really knew his name, then just asking him his name is not sufficient enough. Do you see what I'm getting at? I'm not trying to exonerate Tom Brady. Wait, is, isn't McNally, I get McNally and Jastrzemski mixed up, but, but isn't he the, the, the same one that he had the three 20-minute conversations with? No, Jastrzemski that, is the one that, okay. that Brady was, was talking to on the phone, okay. I believe. And he was relaying messages to McNally. And 
I, I mean, I, I haven't read through the whole thing word for word, so maybe I'm wrong on this, and maybe I'll get right. called out on it some week. Who knows? But as far as I know, but McNally is the guy who calls himself the deflator, and he was the one that went into the bathroom. And I just, it, I don't know when they asked Brady, like I'm saying, if, if the question was, do you know who Jim McNally is? No, the answer is no, they move on. Then I don't blame Brady for maybe not knowing this guy's name. Okay. But if they continue to say this guy does this and Brady said again, no, then of course he's a liar. Right. I mean, obviously if you look over their text history, they, they do have multiple conversations about, about, you know, the, the strength of the footballs, right? Or do you, you, yeah. yes. I mean, so do you, do you buy into the notion? Again, hard evidence is a different conversation, but just based on the evidence that you've seen, I understand you haven't read the whole thing, but like the, the notion that like, that Brady had nothing to do with it. Just again, based on, on records of actual conversations that we have, you would have to at least say that it's, it's probably unlikely, right? If you want to say that, you know, that there's... More probable than not, yeah. Let's go, with, let's go with that. More probable than not that he knew what was going on. But the problem here is that if Brady wants to take this to a court of law, which, I, like I said, if his suspension does not get reduced, I, believe, I, I think that he's going to take it to a court of law if he really thinks that he's innocent here um, and they have nothing on him. But if he wants to take it to a court of law, they have to really point to him saying, take air out of that football or something to, the, to, the, to that extent. They can't point to him saying, hey, these balls are feeling a little heavy or this feels, this feels tight to me. Figure something out. Do something with it. Because Bill Belichick has admitted to this heat rubbing down ball technique thing that they've, they've done. So he can refer to that as the thing that he was trying to tell them to do. You know what I'm saying? So unless he explicitly said, take air out of that football, put it below 12.5, then they have nothing on this guy. Right. We, well, that's, that, that's the statement that they have nothing on him. I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't agree. First of all, if you take it to if a court of law, if he takes it to a court of law, let me just, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, if he takes it to a court of law, that's it. If he ta- well, if he takes it to a court of law, one at that point they probably can subpoena his phone records. They're going to have more more information. Well, than they- well, I'm sorry, what? No, that's what I was saying earlier. Is that he's not going to do that right. unless no, he, because- he knows there's no evidence evidence on that phone. Right. So he, but, but he he's he's not going. I, I don't think he's going to do that anyway. Just sim- simply for the fact that that should he open it up to a court of law, the the league can also put him on the player's exempt list. Until the court, as they've done in every other situation, until the court case is resolved, he, you know what I mean. So, so what does that do if he gets suspension yep. removed? But uh, this 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 whole uh, you know lawsuit takes months, which it probably will, and he misses that amount of time anyway. That's that's exactly what they did with Adrian Peterson, which is it's true. Yeah. So he should know better than that. He should know better than that. Maybe they expect the, the thing to get reduced, and if it doesn't. I'm sure that Tom Brady is not going to be happy about it. Right, I just I'm going to leave it at that. This has gone on too long. Yeah, fires me up to no to no end because this is the, the non-story of all non-stories, Calvin. And you know how much I hate non-stories. You hate non-stories. I enjoy good non-story. <sighs> Brutal. If you haven't gone to the CLNS Radio Twitter page, do it now at CLNS Radio. You can also find us on Facebook. Head over to CLNSRadio.com/slash/Facebook. Uh, I haven't mentioned the survey in a while, so maybe there's some new listeners to Careless Whispers that haven't taken our demographic survey. And guess what? Not just demographics. We don't just want to know who you are. We want to know what can make this website, this podcast, this network better. Go to clnsradio.com slash survey and take it today or tomorrow. Do it this week, please. Anyway, um, <clears throat> no more footballs. Being deflated. Let's talk about something else that's, that can't be deflated or has not been deflated. Go to clnsradio.com slash DraftKings right now. You can get in to their $10,000 fantasy baseball contest and play for free. That's right, free. And it's tonight, it's tomorrow night, it's whatever night you join for the first time because, as you know, this podcast is downloaded whenever you want. It could be two weeks from now if you're listening to this 
you can still get in with DraftKings because if you're a fan of baseball and you like fantasy sports, you can do this every day. You can do it once a season. You can do it however many times you want, and it's free for the first time with the, when you go to CLNSRadio.com slash DraftKings. And let me tell you a little bit more because it's not just picking your favorite fantasy baseball players and picking a team and going throughout the season and hoping that you have a, maybe you have a head-to-head matchup in your old fantasy league. This is brand new, and it means no season-long commitments. It's the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball, and every day it's a brand new season. You have to pick two pitchers and eight position players. Stay under that salary cap, much like we were just talking about a few minutes ago, that salary cap with the Clippers. They're in some trouble, I think. Um, but this is baseball, baby. And last year, people all over the place were winning money. Peter from Colorado won a million dollars in one day. So hurry to DraftKings.com right now and enter the promo code New England to play for free. If you've gone through CLNSRadio.com slash DraftKings, you can enter that same promo code New England, and you could win a part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. That's, again, promo code New England for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com, and go through CLNSRadio.com slash DraftKings. Boom. Done and done. It's fun stuff, people. Head over there right now. Let's talk to the NBA. Has the NBA been deflated? Oh, let me ask you this question. Have you seen the Allen Iverson documentary? Off the cuff. Uh, No, I have not. Have you? I saw it last night. I recommend it. It uh, shed a light on Iverson that I had not really seen before. Uh, If I had the practice clip, I'd play it right now, and it would mean something else to me. So I don't want to spoil too much, but, but, uh, I mean, so people gloss over the practice clip, and we love the practice clip. We're talking about practice, all that, right? Right. What people don't realize, Calvin, and I don't – I think I may have known this a while ago, and I forgot, or maybe I just never knew – but the the whole press conference was happening because his one of his best friend friends had passed away. Well, that's not why the press conference was happening. It was happening because he skipped practice, and Larry Brown told somebody or somebody told somebody whatever, uh, and the media was upset because the team was had lost and all this. Um, but his best friend had died, and that was why he was so upset. So when he's talking about saying we're talking about practice, he's looking at it from a more uh, in a, it's a deeper perspective from his part, and the media just ran with that clip, and we still run with it today, and I will continue to run with it because I think not pointing the finger at Allen Iverson is just a funny clip to play, but it means something a little different now. Oh, I thought you were going to say that like he was fighting through injuries as he often was. No. During... You know, during his career, but no, I was just talking about that practice clip. That's a little different, but I mean, overall, I mean, it talks about his his childhood and his upbringing. It's a it's a I mean, it's a good uh, it's a good documentary on Allen Iverson if you liked him as a player. Not to, not to be a jerk, but that doesn't make me think of that clip any differently at all, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, so, somebody close to me, something might happen, something bad might happen to them, but I still have to go to work. You know, I still. Have to, well, it wasn't. It, he wasn't trying to excuse himself from missing practice. He was trying to um, point out to the media that there are bigger things than worrying about him missing practice, and that he was upset that the team lost, and that he didn't do things better, and that he he did show up to practice and at times, and he he was good enough to perform well in games and he gave it all it gave it his all in games but he was concerned with the fact that they had to have this press conference about him missing practice when his friend had just died so and the media took that as I shouldn't go to practice I don't have to go to practice right so I don't know I'll have to just check a little it out. different I'll still use it I, it was yeah. a, it was a good one it was a good one all right good documentary so now more NBA as we roll along here on careless whispers um, I want to play this applause clip right here. Where is it? Clapping? Yeah. Slow. There it is. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
you tell me, L.A. man, how did the Clippers collapse in this one? Because I, frankly, I finally got one right. I picked the Rockets in seven at home. Boom! Gotcha! I also picked the Rockets in seven. I'm really mad. I'm really mad at the uh, Wizards, by the way, for ruining my perfect streak. Yeah. I, I, still, I still went three out of four. I, I'm still going to pat myself on the back. You know why? One, I picked the Rockets in seven, which at one point mm. looked like a terrible prediction. It worked out pretty well for me. Two, it's like John, I didn't. John Wall got hurt, and it, it was like That's you, you know, in the woods, like Paul Pierce hit a hit a three that that was <sighs> carried by Al Horford. They he hit another three the next game that was. Half a second late, like that prediction. That prediction was garbage. Um, yeah, the, the half a second late shot. I was standing outside of a bar, and people are, uh, my coworkers are yelling at me because I'm just standing, looking in back inside of the bar because I realized that 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 play was about to happen. So they're like, "Come on, let's go. We're leaving," and I'm just staring, watching, ignoring them, and. Um, I went crazy when he hit the shot. And I was like, yeah. And there was a guy that was walking down the street yelling, Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce. He was on his phone. And then, I don't know, uh, maybe 20 minutes later, I'm in my car. And I heard the score. And I was like, wait, what? They they lost? What? (laughs) I was so confused. But seeing it later, the old man just lost a step. He didn't have it. He he had half a step, just a little bit too late on that shot. It was quite amazing, though. Um, But... That ruined our our picks, Calvin. I was I was with you on Washington. I thought they had what it, what it took. Unfortunately, I also thought that Chicago had what it took to beat Cleveland, and they didn't. They didn't. They had nothing. Uh, so that to me is concerning because now the only hope is that Golden State just squashes Cleveland in the uh, in the finals. Otherwise, LeBron is going to get one for the worst city in the, in the United States. Oh yeah, I had I had Cleveland in six and the Warriors in six. By the way, so I picked the other. I had I had the games right in all the all the other three series. So I'm I'm gonna roll in this playoffs. But uh, I saw the odds and the Warriors are something like two to five favorites to win the NBA title. So and then and then the Cavs are I think they're second at like four to one. Uh, I would not be listen. I will I will bet five dollars to gain two dollars that the Warriors win. I would I, I really think that they're the best team in the league right now. Uh, they're, they're starting to roll again. Steph Curry got off that little schneid that he had uh, against Memphis in a couple of those games. And uh, I think they figured it out. I'm interested to see this Houston series. But Let's talk about it real quick. That's the team. That's the team, man. I think that Golden State team is, is the team to beat. And I, I said it uh, last week that assuming that they were the team that got into the, the finals, they were going to have a relatively easy time regardless of who they faced. But that I thought that I couldn't like come to a conclusion on who was the the tougher matchup for this team, and after a week now, I'm starting to realize that with Dwight Howard being a little bit better offensively than DeAndre Jordan, I'm I'm definitely going with Houston. Even not in retrospect saying oh they beat the Clippers they're the better team not like that, but I think that they have the better matchup against Golden State because they have the the better offensive center. And while that might not matter a whole lot in this series, I still think Golden State's going to win it in six. Uh, I, I think that gives Houston a little bit better shot than the Clippers would have had. Oh, that's funny because I, I think the exact opposite, mainly because I think the Warriors don't really have a matchup for Blake Griffin. I mean, Draymond, you could put Draymond on him, but Blake Griffin's just kind of bigger than him and faster than him. Um, you know, Chris Paul is a guy who can stay with Steph Curry. They I watched that series, you know, I went to two games uh, of that the, the Clippers-Warriors uh, series last year, and I realized they're a much better team than they were last year, but I, I just looked at it, and I, I feel like it's a difficult matchup for them. It would have been interesting. This series, I'm going completely the other way. I think it won't be a difficult matchup for the Warriors, and the reason why is because Houston wants to do the things that Golden State does. They want to push. They want to score in transition. They want to score quickly. Uh, they want to shoot, spread the ball, and shoot threes. Again, Golden State is, is a lot better at that than Houston is. Uh, with the guys they put on the floor, you're right. You know, Dwight Howard is better offensively than DeAndre Jordan, but he's not he's not better enough to you know. If, if you 
if you well i i see i'm thinking also along the lines of i i just don't I'm not sure the Golden States would really have let the Clippers run and gun with them, and that's where DeAndre Jordan really excels. Uh, Dwight Howard, on the other hand, if if Houston can find a way to mix in, mix in some half-court offense in this series and get the ball into Dwight Howard in the post, I think that they might have a little bit better time than the Clippers would have. I'll put it that way, too. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't disagree with that. I just think that if you're if – you, I, if you run the offense through Dwight Howard, you're you know reducing the Rockets to less than what they want to be ideally, and I don't think like that works somewhat you know with with a guy like Zach Randolph, who you know can consistently score in the post. Dwight Howard is not a great post scorer. Dwight Howard scores no, the ideally he scores on pick and roll situations, which again it's the same scenario. You want to move quickly. You want to spread the floor. Um, I'm, listen, I'm not saying it's the first option. Obviously, Houston has better options than Dwight Howard, but when it comes down to it in a series like this, I think that your first and second options are probably going to perform the way they're expected to, and it, the third option is the guy uh, that r- sometimes is the linchpin in a series. And while Golden State's first and second, second options, as far as offense are concerned, are uh, far and away better than Houston's first and second, no matter who you, who you put as number two, uh, for Houston behind James Harden, uh, the third guy is is going to be key in this series. And I just think that as far as the Clippers are concerned, their third guy is not even close to Houston's third guy. And that, to me, is Dwight Howard. And I still don't think it's going to affect Golden State that much. They they should they should do pretty well in this one. Well, the, the, the bigger problem really, though, is that Dwight Howard is Houston's second guy. You know, you know what I mean. Like, uh, DeAndre Jordan is the Clippers' third guy, but once you move, like Dwight Howard's not going to perform better than Blake Griffin would have performed in this series. And I, I think that's why I think Golden State wins this series pretty easily. And again, I, I think that you know the, the confusion that they try to cause, which is you know pushing the ball up and trying to score as quickly as possible on cross matchups, that also leaves you vulnerable to that on the other end. And I just I don't think you can beat Golden State at that game. Therefore, I, and you know, if you look at what happened to them this season, Golden State went four and zero, and they won by an average of like sixteen points. I like Golden State in five. Golden State in five. Yep. Interesting. Um, I just want to check this quickly. I mean, Dwight is. See, for some reason, I thought Josh Smith was scoring more than he. Had, uh, than he is uh, in these playoffs. I thought that, that Dwight Howard had sort of taken a step back to Josh Smith. Maybe it's just more recently or something. I don't know what I was thinking there. Uh, but you're right. Howard is their second guy, so my argument is out the window. Uh, as usual, Calvin, just bring me back to earth. <clears throat> anyway, um, what about the East? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go chalk on this one and not, and, and not the Hawks. How about that? I'm, I'm gonna. I, I've been so wrong in these Eastern Conference playoffs all the way through it. I'm embarrassed to, to be living in the Eastern Conference and being a, a, as big of a fan of basketball as I am and pick it so wrong. I'm going with the Cavs. I'm going with LeBron. And if I'm wrong, then I will be so happy. Yeah, I have never been a believer in the Hawks. I continue to not be a believer in the Hawks. They weren't. They were not impressive in beating the Nets. Certainly, I, again, I think if if Wall had been 100% for the entire series and, you know, things had broken uh, a little bit better, they didn't seem – the Hawks seemed like, oh, we're, we're a much better team than the Wizards during that game. They, they sort of seemed pretty even, did they not? Like, if you look at that series, they basically seemed like the same team. Neither They snuck out of it. Yeah. They snuck out of it. They snuck out of it against a team that, like, wasn't expected to do that well. I, I think that they're just not very good. I mean – they're, they're okay, don't get me wrong, but I think that they're not what the record says they were. Uh, and I think that the Cavaliers, you know, despite the fact, it, it'll be interesting because, you know, Kyrie Irving is, doesn't appear to be 100%. Kevin loves out. LeBron, you know, people keep giving LeBron all this credit for carrying the Cavs uh, past the Bulls in the last round, but LeBron was terrible in that series. I mean, he he, he went 6 of 24 in game 6, right? Yep. You know, 
six out of twenty four. Like so, that series was won by you know guys like Matthew Bella Bedova. Can never say his, his name. You know, J.R. Smith. Uh, those guys hitting threes. You know, Shumpert. So can, can, you know, it's the same situation. I I feel like the Bulls that that was a, a perfect opportunity for them to win that series. And the fact that I, I know LeVon hit that game winner, you know, after screwing up twice before that, by the way, to, to let the Cavs back into the game. But I'm sorry, let the Bulls back in the game. But the point is, is like the cat, the Bulls should have won that series. And the fact that they didn't, like, maybe something does need to change there in Chicago. I I think that the Cavs will have enough to get back past the Hawks, but it'll be the same kind of thing where they'll they'll manage to pull it off based on experience and LeBron. But they really well. I, I will put it this way. I mean, it, it, the, the Hawks certainly don't have anybody that's going to be able to guard LeBron consistently. Carroll will put up a fight. Uh, I feel like he is going to have a, a similar situation as Jay Crowder did with the Celtics in the first round there. Uh, maybe Crowder is a little more energetic and a little bit better on defense, but I think Carroll, not just because of the dreads and not be, just because they look similar, but they play similar too. I think he's going to put forth a, a pretty nice effort on LeBron, and people might, might be surprised at how good he can be defensively at times, but it's just going to be too much for him to handle. Um, after that, Kyle Korver is a saloon door. He is not going to stop LeBron at all, and that to me means that this series is going to rely, as far as the Hawks are concerned, on a guy like Paul Millsap. If Paul Millsap can D up LeBron James for significant minutes and neutralize him a little bit, uh, I think the rest of the Hawks will have a, a, a better time. And the problem with that, Calvin, is that I also think that the Hawks are going to have to rely on Millsap heavily on offense as well because his matchup going that way is, is one of the better ones uh, that they have. Although Tristan Thompson um, is, st- I mean, a better defensive player than Kevin Love would have been, I still like Millsap's matchup uh, better than Horford against Mozgov or Carroll, who's been leading the Hawks in scoring in the playoffs. I like, I mean, obviously I like Millsap over him against LeBron James. So Millsap, to me, is the key to this series. If he plays out of his mind, the Hawks have a chance. I don't really expect that to happen. So let's go, uh, oh, let's go Cleveland's. Cleveland in seven, because LeBron is going to rip the hearts out of whatever Atlanta fans show up at home in game seven. I think an interesting question is, who do they, who do they try to hide Kyrie Irving on? Because you can't, you, you, you can't really have Kyrie stay with Jeff Teague. Um, I guess Jeff Teague can't really stay with Kyrie either, so maybe he loses that matchup. But uh, I don't, you know, it, they don't really have a, a ton of bodies, the Cavaliers, to play the, the sort of small ball lineup. I, I, I don't think Millsap has the same advantage because I think he'll end up having to be guarded a lot of the series by LeBron, who can probably, mm. you know, guard him pretty well. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I think that they that they won't be playing LeBron at the three so much as, as they'll, they'll have Mozgov or Thompson in there at the five with LeBron at the four, and then, you know, Shepard, J.R., Kyrie is, is what they've been doing. Um, right. But again, it's like you you end up with a situation where yeah Carroll's a little bit too big for Shepard, but he can he probably can guard him okay. But then then what do you do with Kyle Korver? Then you either have to have Jr. trying to be the guy to chase him off screens or Kyrie. I, I think the, to me Korver is the key. Uh, you know he's going in my mind Korver's going to get a lot of open shots in the series just because of the matchup. Uh, and you know Let's hope he knocks yeah, him down. I, I do feel like going the other way. You know. Cleveland will get a lot of offensive rebounds like they've been doing. I, I think that they will have that advantage over Atlanta's, you know, smallish front line. So to, to counteract their extra shots, Corbett's going to have to hit, you know, a few threes to to swing the balance back the other way. And if he if he's hot, yeah, maybe they have a chance. But I, th- I think overall, I'm going to take uh, Cleveland in six. Well. I hope the Hawks push it and, and at least have a Game 7 at home. Uh, but I would expect LeBron to shut it down and do his thing, take over like he tends to do. Um, and then I would just hope that Golden State has too much firepower for him to be able to do that multiple times in the finals. But it seems as though 
Cleveland is going to roll because I thought Chicago had the best chance, and well, we saw how that went. All right, uh, go. No, no, I just want. Uh, yeah, I just want to hit on the. Uh, wait, did you make your prediction? I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Huh? Cleveland in seven. He's going to rip Atlanta's hearts out at home. Cleveland in seven. All right. Uh, A lot of those other players. I mean, it, it's it seems to be similar to what Doc Rivers was doing in Boston here for a little while, and. I mean, you can't put it all on Doc because Danny Ainge had a big hand in that, if not the vast majority of, of what was going on here when Doc was the coach. Uh, but it, it seems like they're just throwing some players together that are – maybe they'll be back here, maybe they won't. And we have Chris Paul, we have Blake Griffin. Um, we'll figure it out later. You know, we'll we'll – We'll figure out who's going to be here going forward, and the salaries, they'll match up. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll match up. We'll figure it out. And, I mean, I, don't, I just don't know if they, can, if they can really do that and succeed. So they thought that they were going to be good in the, in the past uh, four years, right? But they weren't that good. So now they have Paul and Griffin on the books for a couple of years, they have J.J. Redick on the books for a couple of years. Spencer Haas has taken up probably too much money for them. But everybody else is, is pretty much gone after next season, and it starts now with Jordan. What do they do? Do they lock him up for another couple of years with another $20 million contract? Yep. And yep. then hamstring themselves with all the other players, and then they have to let Jamal Crawford walk, and they have to let or find a way to – maybe get rid of Reddick and Spencer Haas is gone. Barnes is gone. And then they bring in a bunch of other random dudes and it's Paul Griffin, Jordan again. It hasn't worked. Is does, does Jordan take the next step? I'm answering question with a bunch of questions, but I don't know the answers to this stuff. I do. And the Clippers have a tough situation here. They probably have to let this guy walk and build differently. But what, what's the sentiment sentiment in LA? Do any of the rare Clippers fans even care what's going on? Yeah, they. Uh, some of them are saying blow it up. It, it's like it's like fifty fifty. But to, to my mind, it doesn't make any sense to blow it up. Chris Paul is still Chris Paul. Like maybe you say, hey, I, I can try to get something for Chris Paul right now. But if you want to win a title, and granted he hasn't won a title, but you're not going to do better than Chris Paul. You're not going to do it, like it, it, yeah, Blake Griffin makes sense to trade him if you can get Kevin Durant. But if you can't, like it makes it, it doesn't make any sense to move him either. DeAndre Jordan's a free agent, sure. But what happens if you don't pay him? The Clippers are still they're basically at the luxury tax line now. So it, so how are they going to bring the guy in if they don't have DeAndre Jordan? They have to, they're going to have to wait another year for the cap to go up. Then they're going to be competing with you know 29 other teams, including the Lakers. They after taking a step back, Chris Paul will be a, a year older at that point. Like. What's the point of taking a step back with that when they'll have, even if they do sign DeAndre Jordan, when the cap goes up, they'll have extra money anyway. And they'll have DeAndre Jordan on a max contract now, while even though he may not be a max player, it's still a more reasonable version of a max contract. Let's work this out for just one second. Okay. How much do you think the cap is going to go up next year? Give me a random number, whatever you think it's going to be. Okay, uh, the cap's going to go up supposedly up like about $30 million. The cap will go up $30 million. Yeah. Okay. So looking at their roster right now without DeAndre Jordan's contract next year, including a team option on uh, both Jamal Crawford and Lester Hudson. I'm going to count them both, even though Hudson probably won't get Do signed. Um, that, would, that would give them $90 million to spend. I'm sorry. That would, that would give them uh, – I'm going, I'm going the other way here. You're saying it's going to go up $30 million. Yep. That would That would uh, – oh, what's the cap number right now? Do you know? It's Crap. 58, I think. 58. $58 million? Yeah, I think. Because the, the number I'm looking at right now says the Clippers cap – or the Clippers salaries right now are $85 million. Right. Remember, remember you can go over the cap. Okay. Right. They're, 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 the Clippers are, like, approaching luxury tax territory right okay. now. Okay. So, so let's say the ca- let's establish that first. This I'm stumbling through this okay. now. I, this is supposed to be quick. Damn it! So the cap's at 58 now. It's going up 30 million. You're saying right? Yep. That's 88. 
Next year, without Jordan, the Clippers are on are slated for sixty million dollars. That means they have twenty eight million dollars to spend. They don't give it all to Jordan. So oh, I'm sorry. Give, I'm sorry. Let's. I, I I apologize. I you you meant I I meant that after after the next off season, not this coming off season. This coming off season. Next off yeah. season. This, well, the next off season is sim- is very similar. So let's do that too because it's only off by three million. Right, but, so but, we're still talking about the same. Core. No, no, but but the difference is this off season. If they let Deion, like you said, where they are right now, eighty five million. They're at next, right now. They're at eighty five. Okay. and fifteen, so, sixteen. They're at sixty. So what's the what's DeAndre's salary for this year? Just eleven and a half. Okay, but I'm guessing it'll go up to twenty. Right. So, right? so if they let DeAndre walk, right? They're still at they're still at like, and, and maybe they don't pick up some player options. They're still over that fifty-eight million dollar mark, right? Barely. So, barely. Yes. So it does. So the point is, is if they don't re-sign DeAndre, it doesn't matter what else they do, they'll be over the cap, and all they'll have is the 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 exception. See what I'm saying? All they'll have is a mid-level, mm-hmm. regardless. Yes. So you can either have the mid-level and DeAndre for next year. Or you could have the mid-level and not have DeAndre. What would you prefer? Right. I would I would pr- prefer Jordan. So at that point, over the next two years, and actually probably three years, uh, you're looking at them being over the cap. But this is this is their roster: Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, JJ Redick, Spencer Hawes, um, and I'll give I'll give you Jamal Crawford next year, but not the year after that. So. That's that's five or six guys right there, five guys right there. That's that's your star, or six guys, including Jamal Crawford next year, but not the year after that. So five next year, six the year after that. You still need to fill in right there because these guys are these guys championship caliber. Calvin, you, do you think they are? Those Paul Griffin, Jordan, Reddick, yeah. Crawford, Hawes. Yeah, the, well, the guys who aren't are Hawes, Baby, uh, you know, Farmer. The, the, He's gone. Uh, gone. Rivers. The guys gone. Yeah, the, but my point is, is like they just need to bring in better bench guys. That's a, that's that's the issue. And even if they're not, even if they're not championship team, are you, it, so, like it, people are so in, in such a rush to like be all or nothing. Like here's the thing. Like it, so, you believe in in Paul Griffin, Jordan, Reddick, Crawford? Well, there, there's a, here's the thing. There's a difference between being good enough to win a championship and being good enough to compete for a championship. Will that team win a title? Even if the answer is probably not, but possibly, there's still not a better argument to get to get rid of them. You know what I mean? Like the only the only argument to get rid of them is to say, "Hey, we can be better," or like you you get in, in other words, like how do you get? Can you get better than Jordan? Then that's the question. I, I, no, I, I don't. With twenty million dollars, with, with the with the money that they have and the situation they're in, I don't see how. In, in, again, unless you want to just take next year off. Would would you advise that? Would you would you want that if you were if you were a title contending team? Who knows when Chris Paul starts to slow down? Would you want to lose DeAndre in this season? Take take the next year off because you can't win a title with with just Chris Paul and Blake in the same roster, which is basically what you'll have to do if you get rid of DeAndre. Seems crazy, right? right? And, right and then try to make a pitch to somebody after next off season, mm-hmm. like. Why would you ever want that as a fan? You're kind of stuck with this team, I think. Not as a fan, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. I assume they're going to let this guy walk because he's going to be too expensive. They're going to look at the books. They're going to say we can find it elsewhere, and that's probably not the best decision as as, as a fan would see it, or maybe even just as a, as their roster should be. You know, I don't know. They'll give, I don't give him the max. I'll, I'll promise you right now. We can we can put a little dollar bet on it if you like. Okay. Um, no, that's I'm not. I don't want to bet on it, but I just I have a feeling. Well, maybe you know what? Never mind. I'm starting. To, I'm still thinking of the Clippers as the old, the old crotchety Clippers, and they have a uh, a franchise and an ownership group now that will pay for for players. So if they get the okay from Doc, is Doc the guy that's going to make the call well, here? I'm, then I'm glad. Then, that you, yeah, they'll pay. I'm him. glad that you mentioned Doc. I flipped. I'm, I'm glad that you segued into Doc because I've. <laughs> did you see? Doc Rivers' uh, quote that he said after the team choked and gave away that three-one series lead. Did you see what he said about his team? Because it, I mean, he basically threw them all under the bus. But isn't that the way he rolls? Like, well, what, what he said was, he said, and it, well, it's interesting that's a Celtics fan. I'd like to, I'd like to hear your perspective on this because he said, I want to fix it. I want to win. That's why I came here. 
I knew when I came here, this is the interesting part to me, I knew when I came here that roster-wise, it was going to be very difficult. The first thing I did before I took this job, I looked at the roster and we laughed. I was like, what the bleep can we do with this? It was more the contracts. But we have to try to do it somehow. I don't know how yet, but something will work out. Murray, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Doc Rivers the coach of the Boston Celtics before he went to the Clippers? Yes. And yes, he was. correct me also if I'm wrong, but didn't Doc leave said Celtics because they traded away uh, Pearson Carnett and he then didn't like the roster? And he wanted to go to the Clippers because they had Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan? Isn't that why he went there? Uh, I believe so, yes. Uh, no, wait, when, he went, when Doc went to the Clippers, they had, they had Eric, uh, I'm sorry, they had Eric Bledsoe on the bench. They had Jamal Crawford already. They had basically everybody that they have now, except for, uh, except they didn't have J.J. Redick or Matt Barnes. Right. But, but they, had, they had other guys, again, Eric Bledsoe, probably better than either one of those dudes. So, what is, what is he talking about, Bray? What's this notion? Yeah, Who's, whose contract is he talking about? Yeah. That's the question. How did he, yeah. It's not Chris Paul's contract. Uh, it's not Blake Griffin's contract. That's part of the reason that I kind of think that Jordan might, might be gone. They might just let him walk here, Calvin. I don't think Doc is going to want to pay him $20 million. And maybe Steve Ballmer will. But maybe Ballmer will say, no, we're paying this guy. He's my man. He's a great player. He's exciting. He brings fans to the stands. He's going to work on his free throws, uh, and he's going to be fine. He's going to, we're going to bring him back for twenty million. Awesome. And Doc, the problem, Marie, okay, what, The problem, Marie, is that you're, you're forgetting that Doc both thinks that DeAndre Jordan is the best center in the NBA, but also Doc thinks that he should have been the Defensive Player of the Year. Remember? Right, but does he want to give him twenty million dollars? Not his money. He probably doesn't care. I just feel like he's looking at my, one specific contract, and I don't. I don't think he liked Jordan's contract. Maybe he's warmed up to him at, at this but, point. But that's, Doc that's saying circles, that. as he usually does, Calvin. Yeah. he's always running around in circles and contradicting himself, kind of like me. We have that in common, I guess. Yeah, Doc is acting like he's the hero. He somehow built his team up. From, from garbage, but but the reality is he went, he left a garbage team, which is, no offense to the Celtics, but like, obviously in the immediate aftermath of the Pierce-Garnett uh, trade, that roster didn't look appealing to him, and that's why he left. He left to go to a better right. roster. So what the, what the hell is he talking about now, Ray? I don't know. This is his roster, too. I mean, yeah. I mean, he chose, he was, he didn't, miss, well, maybe he didn't choose the Clippers, but he, he had to sign off on it, I'm sure. Obviously, and uh, Chris Paul Blake Griffin is is pretty excellent. He brought in JJ Redick. I mean, we, is he talking about Crawford's uh, uh, salary? Because I think Crawford is a steal at five and a half million dollars. Are you kidding me? Six man of the year? That's the mid level exception. You can get a six man of the year for the mid level exception, paying the same amount for Spencer Hawes. Crawford's deal is a steal, so he's not looking at Crawford. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's Hawes, but guess what? He brought Hawes in too. He brought Barnes in, right down the list. All these guys that have the higher salaries he had. So maybe, actually, Calvin, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just Bledsoe. Maybe he was looking at Bledsoe and saying, we don't want this guy. Maybe that was the problem. But whatever it may be, he seems to have tied himself up into a pretzel here. And uh, I just, I don't see what the, what the issue is with, with their roster as far as he's concerned because he has total control over it, Right. He's the president yeah. of basketball operations and all that. I love that you're giving Come him on. the benefit of the doubt and rationalizing it. But clearly, clearly, it's just Doc talking right out of his backside. Come on, Doc. Come on, Doc. You're better than that. Better than that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know who's not? In stereo right there. CW stereo. <laughs> you know who's not better than that, though, Ray? Who? Bill Jackson. He's not better Bill than that. Bill Jackson. Segway. Segway. You like that? Look you like out. that segue? Look out. Look out. Segway. We need a segue sound. So, yeah, it should just be like a bunch of motors and like people jumping out of the way or something. Uh, did you see, Ray, last week when 
uh, after game three of the second round of the playoffs, in which the Warriors were down 2-1 to one to the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Cavaliers were down 2-1 to one to the Chicago Bulls, Bill Jackson, you know, he's, he's feeling good about himself. So he decided to, you know, put it out on Twitter. He put out on Twitter, uh, he said, NBA analysts, give me some thoughts on how three-point-oriented teams are doing in the playoffs. How's it going? With a K at the end. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> Typo. Yeah. So... How is it going, Phil? It's, yeah, it's going pretty good, apparently, because uh, the Warriors and Rockets are one and two in three-point attempted. The Cavaliers are third, and the Hawks are fifth. So, one, as you imagine, Phil Jackson is now just taking just just an, a mountainous avalanche of crap from people on Twitter, which you probably... Probably shouldn't run your mouth until series ends. Can I just throw that at you, Phil Jackson? Like he, it, it's hilarious to me that he waited for like the one time in the entire playoff where it looked like the non-three-point shooting teams were doing well, and then he just like that was his cobra strike, or he's like, "Yep, I'm right." You know what I mean? And then, then immediately everything just boomeranged back on him, going the other way. Like I, I think people who act like there's just one answer that. That's what bothers me about this. It's like you can win with three point shooting. Like it's just common sense. Like dude, the math makes sense. You know, three is worth more than two. It just makes sense. I mean, if you're good it's enough not, at it, and you can get the open threes and you can get good shots. Then yeah, you're absolutely right. But yeah, it's not even. It's not an analytical thing at all. It's not like an NBA. Like people who get mad because you know it reduces the NBA to math. But it's just like you know most people. Uh, their ability to hit mid-range jump shots and, you know, near the three-point line level jump shot, the difference in percentages between what they're going to hit in that shot and, and you know, their ability to hit the three, like maybe somebody's slightly better at that two than at a three, but the difference is not, it's, it's not worth what the difference is in that point. You know what I mean? That extra point that you're getting from the three, it's, it's, that's just, that's, it's common sense. Even that. You didn't have to make that about math. It's just—it's not even—it's not analytics. It's not anything other than logic. So, like, I don't know why he could, people get so defensive about it. Well, Phil Jackson is an old curmudgeon as far as the NBA is concerned. How about that? Yeah, if, if can you imagine if this guy was your GM, like, you'd be like, bro, and, and, you know, I, I don't have too much to say because. You know, Byron Scott has said the same thing that he'd want the Lakers taking threes earlier in the season, uh, really at the start of the season. And he said, you know, he tried to like put a specific number of how many threes they should be taking a game, and like, like limiting yourself like that is the wrong way to look at basketball or, or anything in life. Like, you should be trying to do what you can to win, and if you if you can maximize that, then do it. That's the point of coaching. That's all. Just, That's all. You want to rant any further on Phil Jackson? Phil Jackson's an idiot. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Phil Jackson is an idiot, but not always because of the things that he's that he said or, or that because he's the Zen master that uh, speaks up on Twitter at inopportune times, but more likely, Cal, because I bet, I bet Phil Jackson has never even gone to DraftKings.com. I bet he hasn't either. I, I, you know what? I bet he has gone to DraftKings.com, and he, he's probably trying to draft you know two-point shooting teams right now. He's trying to draft guys who, who take long twos because he hates threes. Phil Jackson hates threes, and he's and he's yeah. going to DraftKings.com, and he's gonna he's gonna take guys that take long twos. Yeah. That's the way he's gonna do it. All right, Cal. What's next, buddy? Well, the NBA draft lottery starts in three minutes, so I, I think that uh, we should put off the uh, rookie NBA uh, all rookie team talk until next week. I would, do want to get into it, but um, yeah, let's just why don't we just call it a day as we speak? Calling it a day as we speak, not even any sort of 
extra stuff, ladies and gentlemen. That is. Uh, I'm concerned. That's that's hey, we, pulling me off. We can lose a, We can lose a draft pick, man. It could go either way. I'm I'm ex- I'm excited and also concerned. So I I yeah. gotta watch this. Calvin Chamberlain, everybody, really interested in the NBA draft lottery for the first time ever. So you know what? While Calvin goes away right here, actually, we have a couple minutes. I'm just going to tell the people to uh, tune in next week, Calvin. That's about it. And fine, throw me off my <laughs> off my game here. I thought we were going to talk a little more basketball, a little Marcus Smart. But Calvin is very concerned about the draft lottery. Let me just say this. I hope Paul Pierce plays another year in the NBA, even at a lesser capacity than he did this year. I haven't had enough of that guy. He did kind of make an ass of himself by saying series after knocking down a shot before Al Horford won the game uh, the other night. But um, I love that. Paul Pierce, man, come back. Come back, baby. I hope he comes back one more year, whether it's with Washington or Boston or that's it. Those two teams. <laughs> Any, no, really. Just about anybody else. Even the Lakers, man. If Pierce wants to play again next year, I say let him play. That's, what I have. That's how I'm going to end the show right now. Bring back Pierce. Yeah, bring back Pierce. Bring back Pierce. Boop, 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 boop. All right. That's it for us here on uh, Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. I didn't tell you all about the wonderful things we have going on throughout the show, but I thought we were going for a little bit longer. So I blame Calvin for that. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Stealing his line. <laughs>